Reading well is difficult, interpretation even more so. When it comes to the Bible, there's no straight line from the text through interpretation to application. While each reader comes to the Bible with a set of assumptions about what the text is and what it is communicating, the Bible comes with its own set of cultural, linguistic, and historical baggage. But much of this baggage is never unpacked at the beginning of the interpretive journey, so that the reader is often left confused about how to understand scripture. While a face value approach to interpretation may seem most intuitive, perhaps there are other approaches that can more accurately reveal the Bible's meaning. We're continuing our series on the Bible. Last time, we talked about what the Bible is and helpful ways to approach it. Today we ask, if we don't take the Bible at face value, what's it even about? What are unquestioned assumptions readers come to the Bible with? All that and more on this edition of the podcast. We're a forum for discussion on the issues that are ruminating in the minds of churchgoers, but that are often not raised from the pulpit. Too long has the church shied away from grappling with tough questions and nuanced issues. We're your hosts. I'm Riker Zalameta. I'm Lucas Manning. Welcome to Questions from the Pew, where faith and culture meet. To the uh, to the podcast, yes. Hey Riker, how you doing? I'm doing well, Luke. How are you? <laughs> just doing pretty great. Just enjoying life. Uh, any? Uh, how's how's Texas? How's the uh, the great Lone Star State or whatever? Man, is it hot? I'll tell you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, I don't have sense. anything else to say beyond that. <laughs> <laughs> is Waco anywhere near? Do they have beaches in Texas, or is it? Is it we not live, really I mean, nice we've beach? got we've got a pretty big lake, me like oh, okay. twenty minutes away, maybe fifteen minutes away from some oh, yeah, somewhere good. we're at Lake Waco. We've been oh, frequenting nice. it, so it's named. nice. Sure. Uh, yeah. So what are we? I guess uh, talking about yeah. the Bible. We're still here. Yeah, we're continuing in our series, The yes. Bible Tells Me So Revisited. Yes. Yeah, I guess last time, if you haven't listened to part one, feel free to pause. We'll still be here when you get back. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, just give it a listen. Yeah, we, I mean, we kind of just did a little bit of an introduction or uh, I guess just a, I don't know, hmm. what do you want to call it? More general questions, like what is the yeah, Bible? Just kind of introduce, um, yeah. Yeah. What is the Bible? Uh, we One question that we're kind of going to interact with a bit today is like, shouldn't we read the Bible literally? We talked about mm. kind of that word and yeah. what it might mean in biblical interpretation. So feel free to go listen to that, uh, but we're going to, yeah, we're going to pick it up. Yeah, we talked about that as well in like the original episode that we released. And in this season, we re-released as a work up to, to this episode. <laughs> yes. Lots of releases and re-releases. Lots of re-release, revisited, lots of re's. <laughs> uh, anyway, great. Yeah. Well, I guess so, without further ado, I can, or go ahead. Yeah, I guess you can go ahead and set us up and we can dive in.
question from the pew. All right, first question from the pew today hmm. is, if we don't take the Bible at, quote-unquote, face value, what is it even about? What a question. <laughs> Great question. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we can talk about, yeah, what does it even mean to take the Bible yeah. at face value? I guess anything at face value. Yeah. That's a pretty pretty common phrase, I feel like. Yeah. At least in my circles. I mean, I think <laughs> we, we did talk about this a little bit uh, in the last podcast. But I think what, what I at least think of when I hear people say face value, or at least how I understand what they're meaning, or what I meant it to mean when I was using it, is that it's just you read the Bible and what it says is like what it means, if that makes any sense. So just the mm-hmm. most normal way to understand the text, that's what it means, which I think is fine, except for the fact that we're reading in English you know, 2,000 years or more after the Bible was written. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. I mean, what do you think of when you hear face value? Yeah. I mean, in terms of like just lay usage, just popular usage, not even talking about the Bible or any text, I guess. But just taking something as, just taking something and accepting it without any further, I guess, examination or analysis ah, or questioning. Sure. sure. Um, so, like, if we... And now I'm blanking on any specific examples outside of <laughs> outside <laughs> yeah. of the Bible. Um, well, it's like if you read a, a news... Or if, like, you take a news, like, headline at face value, a lot of times you can be misled because they're trying mm. to, like, you know, get you to click on the article. Right. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Um, like, if you look at an ad like a paper ad advertisement sort of thing yeah. you take it at face value you you might think oh it's a great deal but then there's like fine print yes. underneath the big you know right. gotcha statement sort yeah of thing it's like free medium on. fries with any purchase of an entree right <laughs> exactly and it's like so ah. like yeah the free medium fries and going up to the you know drive through window or whatever is right. taking the text as at face value um right. whereas you, you might want to look a little bit deeply uh, yeah. More deeper, more deeper. Yeah, give no. it a little more bit of uh, investigation. Do yeah, some investigating. Yeah. So if we apply that to uh, a you know a text, and in our situation, right, the biblical text, um, I take face value as um, accepting what are understood to be claims that the Bible is making without any deeper, maybe even neutral analysis. I think analysis gets a bad rap and like critical approaches to the Bible gets a bad rap because it's like sure. you're critiquing scripture. It's not really what it means. It's just means yeah, it's not, asking right. more thoughtful, deep questions about what the text is saying. Right. Well, yeah, I would say the kind of popular term criticism isn't what we mean when we talk about biblical criticism, which mm-hmm. is more like... We should just call it biblical investigation. Would be ooh, that's good. I don't know. Text investigation, ooh, text literary investigation. investigation. Yeah, I mean that's like that's like if you're gonna go on a popular or like a common level, that's what it means. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we have to probably say criticism critical because approaches. we're pretentious, pretentious <laughs> scholars. <laughs> well, it goes back to like the whole change of meaning, right? That words have. Sure. So I think in terms of yeah, popular usage, the word critical is always seen in a negative light 
Right. Right. That there's a reason why we put constructive at the beginning of the phrase constructive criticism mm. because criticism automatically has a negative, negative. connotation yeah. in Agreed. society. Yeah, and for those who don't know, um, a lot of the disciplines within biblical studies are often called criticism. So like text criticism is like, uh, I guess, tracing the origin of the actual physical texts and all how they relate and everything. Literary criticism, there's all different kinds of criticisms. But yeah, like we said, it's just, it's not what you would probably think when you hear the word criticism. Right. Yeah. I think... Um something I want to add to, I guess, what I mean by face value reading of the text is, um, I guess I want to differentiate between what the, what the text is actually claiming and what we understand as claims of the text. Sure. Um, I think also often at the very beginning, it's, um, those two are conflated and so it's a misunderstanding about the claims themselves, specifically what is being claimed and what isn't being claimed. Um, and so it's not necessarily a problem with, again, what the text is claiming, right? But our approach to it and how we see or what we sure. view as those claims. Sure. Are you saying that a lot of times we get, we miss, we miss what the Bible is actually claiming, and we're we're saying this is what it's claiming, right? When really it's not it's not trying to claim that, right? Is yeah, that what you're saying? yeah, yeah. And so yeah. when in terms of um, in terms of accepting those claims, we're we're miss yeah we're missing what the text is actually claiming. And so when sure the critical approaches get at what the text is actually claiming, that butts up with the face value reading because we sure. we've misunderstood what the claims actually right. are. Well, here's an example that I think like has been most helpful for me. It's like if you look at the creation story. And so like, you know, I think it's kind of a popular and just yeah, just like common interpretation that it's, you know, young earth creation. God it says God created it in a day, God created it in a day. Um yeah, so I think that's like a popular interpretation. Mhm. Um, and that's like a face value reading of the text that the problem with face value readings of the text is it, if you don't investigate, then you're just preloading the way that you would read a text onto the text. If that makes any yeah. sense. Yeah. Um, and that's not, honestly, it's not respecting the text or the author and where they're coming from. So that's right. where something that, that's like um, one way to do it with the creation mm -hmm. story. Sorry. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. Yeah. Well, so what I was going to say is if we get out of like a scientific reading of the creation story, which I would argue like the biblical author doesn't, he has, he doesn't have our frame of reference in mind. Then it's actually, you know, if we're talking about the question of if the Bible isn't face value, what is it even about? Well, it's like, okay, well that frees us up not to think that it's a scientific retelling of, mm. you know, the big bang or whatever. And that it frees us up to see like, oh, God is creating through his voice and, you know, not through conflict or anything like that. Right. Uh, so there's like a lot of things that we can actually, you know, learn from the Bible when yeah. we stop doing the whole face yeah. value thing. <laughs> yeah. And this, again, I, we talked about this in the 
previous we episode, did. but this isn't us making any definitive claims or taking a stance on whether or not God could have created yeah, definitely could have. in a way that a face value reading would suggest. That's not the point we're making. We're, we're, the point we're making is what is the text saying and what claims right. is it actually making? Because um, <clears throat> a face value reading, right, doesn't engage or maybe limits engagement with any historical, archaeological, scientific studies, unless, right. this is what I found interesting, unless it confirms what the Bible already claims. Sure. So, like, you get headlines of um, uh, historical or archaeological evidence confirms what was written in this, in so-and-so book of the Bible. Sure. Um, and that's usually the... I feel like in a lot of circles, that's the majority of the kinds of articles that are, like, written. Um, sure. And you don't get the, I guess, the, the the flip side of that, where, okay, this conflicts with, you know, the what is written in the text or our, you right. know, historical interpretation of the text. And sure. so how do we reassess our interpretations in, in light of that? Because our, sure. our interpretations can be fallible. Sure. Are you saying there's like a confirmation bias like a lot of times? Right. The articles that get shared by Christian communities, it's like, look, archaeology proved, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, yeah. the Red or Sea. Or science or, proves, know. or no, right. science confirms what the Bible has already yeah. talked about. Sure. Where oh, sure. It's like, I get, I mean, that's cool, but yeah, it's it's a, it's a it's a far leap to to claim that you know, what, what the, the psalmist was talking about yeah. was this scientific fact. Right. Like, are the we missing eyes. the point, then, of what the psalmist was <laughs> was right. saying? Right. No, that's fair. Right. Yeah, yeah so, I mean, like, I think that's... Archeo- Sorry, go ahead. No, I mean, it's just, it's tempting to do that because these are the questions that we're asking, you know what I mean, from our mm-hmm. culture. And so they're the questions that are, like, relevant to us. So it it's, like, fun or, like... Convenience the wrong word, but it's just like it's like, hey, look, like look, it's even in the Bible, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I think we should resist every temptation to do that. And sometimes yeah. there's like really cool types of interpretations like that that I hear, and it's like, oh, that's really cool. That sounds awesome. <laughs> but like, you know, is that what the author is talking about? Just because right. something, I mean, it's the, um, it's like the classic thing of like, just because something rhymes doesn't mean it's true. It's like, just because there's like a cool biblical interpretation doesn't mean that it's like accurate. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway. Well, it's it's always important to understand, right, that the biblical authors wrote with a bias. Um, sure. And that might be uncomfortable for, for some people, but that's the, the reality of the situation, right? Uh, sure. Like interpretation is very difficult to do objectively. We come at it with so many... Um, philosophical, theological presuppositions, especially with a text like the Bible. And Great. so when things, you know, you know, quote-unquote conflict with what is written in Scripture, um, there's a lot of, I don't know, maybe there's a lot of um, defense, like defense mechanisms that kind of arise and we get i guess i'll I'll put put it this way we get very defensive when things like that happen but when things confirm 
what the Bible mm. has already said. It's like, yeah, um, confirmation. We're, we're all celebratory about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're pumped because I mean, you saw. I mean, you. This happened with just the biblical archaeology movement. It, it's funny because there was a there was a switch between biblical archaeology, which is how it started in terms of archaeology in the in the Middle East, um, sure. and people would literally go to the Middle East and go on archaeological digs with, I guess the I think the phrase was like with a trowel and brush in one hand and the Bible in the other. The Bible literally is a roadmap for archaeological um, excavations. Yeah. Um, and for a season it was like, oh, the Bible, um, you know, was right about this, 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 and this. And then sure. more archaeological evidence kind of arose or was discovered that didn't match up with what the Bible was saying or interpretations of what the Bible was saying. Sure. Um, other texts started uh, being discovered that were a lot like the creation texts in Genesis. Yeah, sure. So, like, how do you how do you make sense uh, of of all of that? Uh, right. Sure. Specifically, like the conquest narratives versus the archaeological evidence. Sure. So you see us. You saw a switch between like from that field being called biblical archaeology to ancient Near East studies because uh, sure everyone's view of not only the Bible, but the context in which it arose was widened because sure. not of the Bible, but because of ex, extra biblical yeah. studies, Scientific extra biblical evidence. Well, that's even like the the different text traditions that like are kind of like the norm, at least in textual criticism these days. I guess for listeners who don't know what I'm talking about, basically there's like different uh, I guess, for instance, Qumran, so like the Dead Sea Scrolls, I'm sure a lot of people have heard of that. It's like a specific community that has a specific like biblical tradition that actually differs a little bit from like other biblical traditions mm -hmm. in other places, like in Israel and around, you know, that area. Um, but yeah, we would have, I mean, that's helped our understanding of like the formation of the canon and all this stuff. Whereas, you know, 50 years ago or longer, I guess, 70 years ago. We wouldn't have had any idea. Yeah, yeah, and I mean yeah. there are still remnants. I th so like the the archaeological historical stuff is the, I guess most recent and is still the, I guess most in your Untapped. face in, ter in oh, terms sure. of like that's still on the focus of a lot of sure believers' minds of how do sure. we you know reconcile the two. Um, sure. I think if you go further back, there's been like the scientific evidence of like just modern science kind of conflicts against what is written in the Bible. Right. So like at a first face Samuel, value. Yeah. Reading. A face value reading. Like, yeah. First Samuel yeah, two, eight, Hannah's prayer. She talks about for the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and on them, he has sure. set the world. Well, <laughs> yeah. so, so flat earthers would say like she's a face right. value. Yeah. A face value reading would not question that. Right? right um but you know modern science has shown that not yeah. to be the case so what is wrong there then what is incorrect the text or our interpretation Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, I think that's ultimately like 
the thing that we're trying to get at with this whole discussion is like is a face value reading really like is it really the reading that like we should be shooting for mm-hmm. or you know should we be looking for plot points or meaning you know what i'm saying because that's why mm-hmm. i feel like christians a lot of times we're good at identifying plot points so it's like yeah this you know we memorize the stories and it's like then this happens and this happens but we're like not the greatest at like what's the like what's tying these things together or like what's the meaning mm-hmm. and by meaning i don't mean like what's the random principle that this story is teaching but just like what you know what is actually like the point of you yeah. know this story here in this book in this chapter right. which i yeah and i think that's where like you have to have you have to put in the effort because it's a cross-cultural cross-temporal like exercise you know what i'm saying yeah but yeah yeah i think the, the face value approach a purely face value of um approach to reading the text um yeah it kind of distracts from the fact that the primary focus of the bible is a theological one not a mm. scientific one not a historic one not a not sure. even a phenomenological one in terms of sure. like describing how we see it. i mean you see glimpses of that that's how that's the context in which the authors wrote um right but sure by and large it's primarily understanding who god is and what it means to be his people yeah totally yeah and how he interacts with us i would say i mean that's yeah i mean that's kind of the bible's big question and how we should obviously like respond to that (laughs) Hmm. Mm -hmm. but yeah yeah i think that do you think the um like the face value approach is i don't know maybe a, a cop out for truly wrestling with the with the text maybe even like mis equating a face value approach with a childlike faith sure sort of approach yeah no yeah i mean i've heard that a lot i mean i've heard that a lot like in good faith and in bad faith like i've heard you know people who i respect and who i'm you know close with say like you know what's the point of me like trying to do this you know what i'm saying like if i can't Mm. read it at face value the amount of effort that i have to put into it to like you know have any type of confidence in like what i'm believing (laughs) Mm -hmm. seems like i don't i just don't have the time or the energy for that kind of thing um which i like understand like i actually do understand like that perspective and like you know there's a lot of people in the world it's a it's like a privilege to be able to like be concerned about what the true meaning of the Bible is. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't Mm -hmm. have to worry about feeding four kids or like, you know, I don't know. Like I'm not struggling to survive. So I'm able to like consider the question. Yeah. What's like, (laughs) you know, what's like actually going on here? Uh, Whereas I think, and that's where I think like grace is needed too, in one sense, because it's, I mean, there's a ton of people in the world who, who literally just don't have the time or energy to like put the work in for, Mm -hmm figuring out, you know, what's, what's actually going on in this other culture's, you know, literature. Mm-hmm. Um, which I guess that's where I like, I think it, it really is like the responsibility of like experts and people once like once again, people who are privileged enough to study this stuff. Um, like it does fall on our shoulders 
Um, and like in response to that answer, I always hear the thing of, well, like, you know, the Bible isn't supposed to be like, you know, a text only for the elite or only for, you know what I mean? People right. who are educated right. or whatever, uh, which I agree with. But to that, I'd say, are we not like a body of Christ that has, you know, differing uh, functions? Mm-hmm. And like, should the hand look at the eye or the ear and say, you know, I'm better than you or you think you're better than me or anything? Like, mm-hmm. I think you, that's great. You should write should that all, down. Yeah, I should. Somebody should write it in a book <laughs> and copy it for years and years. Uh, I actually don't know. That's how bad I am at New Testament references. It's somewhere in the New Testament. Couldn't tell you where. <laughs> Paul. But, you know uh, it was Paul. Yeah, Paul. I was Paul. Um, but that's where I understand that tension. And that's where I just think, like, we need the whole church. You know what I'm saying? And we need mm. we need experts in this to, like, help us, you know, figure out what it is saying to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and even beyond experts, we need experts in like different cultural environments who are able to like critique each other and uh, show blind spots to each other. So that's that's another thing that we don't even think about. Sure, we might have experts in our one tradition, but they share right. our cultural blind spots. Uh, so it's even better if you can get experts not only from your tradition, but from you know different cultures, ethnicities, traditions around yeah. you who can help you also. So anyway, yeah. that's what I'd say. No, I agree. I think face value, just maybe as we wrap up this, just addressing this question. Yes. Um, I mean, it's it, it's helpful in some areas maybe, but by and large, it's not a, uh, I wouldn't say it's, it's a helpful approach to um, reading, interpreting, and applying scripture. Um, largely because the majority of the Bible is narrative. Mm. And there are so many different variables you need to take into account. It can't just be a face value reading. I mean, reading Proverbs at a a face value is one thing. It's general life observations and advice. That's one thing, right? Um, Paul's epistles, even. Although Paul's epistles, it can be argued, still have to deal with you've still got to go through so much contextual baggage in terms of like historical and cultural well, stuff. So maybe not. I think we might've said this before. I don't Maybe on this podcast, but I feel like Paul sometimes is when people read Paul, it's the worst offender. Cause it's like, Oh, he's, he's speaking in the second person. So he's saying like you and you do this and you don't do this. But the problem is he's not talking to, he's not talking to you. Right. <laughs> Once again, it is this, like this writing is for you, but it wasn't to you. So that's right. like, yeah. Yeah. I and think that's like, one of the biggest he, offenders. Yeah. Well, he writes with, yeah. I mean, he didn't write thinking that it would be read, or maybe he did. Maybe God revealed right. to him, and he sure. didn't. But, like he wrote to particular people, and so he's right. making assumptions that he doesn't feel he needs to go into the background details of. So he can totally. call out, you know, a group of people and say, "Hey, stop doing this," and right. he'll move on, because sure. the church, the recipients of that letter, knew what was going on. Right. Yeah, literally. We don't. And sometimes th- they were in correspondence with him, so he was directly right. answering questions that they were saying. And, right. like, to another thing, to your point of, you know, like, he didn't write expecting generations to, like, read. I mean, he did write at least, like, there's times in the Bible where it says, like, pass this around to the other churches right. so they can read it, yeah. too. So there is some Colossians idea of, like... with that, yeah. Yeah, literally. So there's, like, some idea of this is, like, written for 
more than just like the mm-hmm. very specific audience. Uh, yeah. But at the same time, you still you still shouldn't equate. Okay, so he's writing to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, right. Uh, and that's not even to take into account the fact that I'm sure a lot of his letters we don't have. I mean, there's one oh, at yeah, least I mean, where he he makes mention. I think in Colossians he refers to another yeah. letter. But we're not sure if that's the book of Ephesians, his letter to the Ephesians sure. that we have, or another letter that we just don't have. Right. So who and knows scholars, what that is? You might be able to correct me if I'm wrong, but I think scholars think First and Second Corinthians is really Second and Fourth Corinthians. Like there's mm. a, like there's a letter before First Corinthians and right. a letter before Second yeah, Corinthians. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. But so yeah. there's just a yeah. I mean, all that to say, there's just a lot of. Things to yeah. think about. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll take back what I said about Paul being a little bit more straightforward in terms of face value. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Paul is not the, not the case. <laughs> yeah, um, and that I, I guess it. that just proves my our point, right? That some small right. sections of the Bible, maybe that's a helpful approach. Sure, but yeah. by and large, I think you need to go beyond a face value because, right. like what you were saying, it was a. It was a text written to a, a completely different time period, completely really? different culture. Um, right. Yeah, it's just, yeah. yeah, there are so many variables well, we're just, to take into account. I think when we do that, we're just missing an opportunity to, like, hear from the Bible. You know what I'm saying? Because mm. even even you could say with Proverbs, I agree with you, like, I think you can read that face value and be like, yeah, I think I, like, I, think I get it, you know? Mm. But, like, like, even within Proverbs... There's like illusions and like uh, connections that the text like mm-hmm. is wanting its readers to make yeah. that like we're not just making when we read it because we don't we don't have the same cultural environment you know mm-hmm. the same cultural background yeah. so or like sorry uh, this is no, maybe it. even driving home the, the point even deeper of <laughs> the non usefulness of a face value approach but like the I feel like proverbs is almost always taken to be promises. Mm, like sure right where if you don't understand that this is someone writing about general life observations Literally. this is generally the way like if you think of and this is might be maybe diving too deeply into this but like if you no, think of the it. wisdom text as a again what we were saying earlier like in the previous episode as a collection as a body sure. of literature you've got proverbs that deals with um, again general life observations these things usually happen right. without fail. And then you right. go to um, Ecclesiastes. It's mm. very depressing. Well, that right. deals with issues where, okay, this is where life, those general expectations deviate. What do we right. do in light of mm. that? So those two go oh. hand in hand. But if you yeah. take Proverbs as a book of promises, again, misunderstanding what the text is claiming, right? then you take a verse like, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is older, he will not depart from it. Well, what do you do when you raise your son or daughter in the faith and they become an atheist as an adult? Yeah, well, seems like how do you, the how promise do you didn't come that? true. Right. right. But if you understand that, okay, maybe it's not talking specifically about, you know, theology, salvation, you know, sure. all those things, but generally speaking, habits... Yeah, right. Sure. If you train up a child, and he won't depart. It's it's a habit forming thing. If you take sure. it at that base level of just general life observations, okay, that verse makes sure. sense, and your faith isn't shaken. I guess when that awful reality happens, you know, you know, to that a lot of people right. have experienced where they've 
raised their kids in the church and done all the things quote unquote right, but it doesn't happen. Right. And they, they, you know, lose the faith or walk away from the faith, whatever language you sure. want to use. Right. That's just one yeah, example, I, mean, I guess. Well, yeah. And I think that's why those two different like perspectives are in the Bible. Like there's definitely tension between Proverbs and Ecclesiastes or even like Proverbs and Job. Obviously Job did everything mm-hmm. right and got the right. short end of the stick. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I mean, the reason that they are there is because there are like different facets or like different ways to view the world and different, you know, wisdom is just, it's not, there's not one thing that's wisdom. Um, anyway, so that's great. Yeah. yeah. I think I want to do one last thing here before we leave. Maybe I don't, I don't know, but future me, you can always cut it if you don't. <laughs> um, I would say one, like if we're answering the question, if we don't take the Bible at face value, what it is, what is it even about? I would say one thing is that like it's meant to be a thing that shapes the identity of God's people. Um, and that was, I mean, that's like the old Testament out of, you know, obviously being written out of exile for a group of people who need to know who they are. Um, but like also the new Testament, I would argue is like the same way, like the, like the point of these texts, and I don't mean like the ultimate point, but the the action behind the text, like what they're trying to get is to like shape the identity of God's people. So that's where I think, mm-hmm. I think instead of rather, like instead of looking at the Bible, like there's like certain principles that I need to pull out of this. Not that there aren't principles, but like allegor- allegorizing the text, you know what I mean? Like, oh, um, David's in my place and my problems are in Goliath's place, you know? <laughs> what are the five stones <laughs> and, that I can utilize yes, that you can, to slay exactly. my giant? <laughs> yeah. Hmm. So instead of doing that, which even if it's not that explicit, we do this in our churches hmm. like all the time. It's like, mm-hmm. it's all the time, almost every Sunday, I feel like. Um, instead of doing that, if we view it as like, this is a book that's supposed to shape my identity and like my, like how I interact with the world and like give me wisdom but not necessarily like token principles or like token answers to life's questions. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think that, like, I think that is a, a big part of what the Bible is and how we should like use it in our daily lives. And I think the only way it can shape your identity is if like you're like meditating and thinking on it, like on a regular basis, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like a liturgy, um, shout out to James K. Smith and the book, uh, desiring the kingdom. Um, But yeah, that's all I would say. Yeah. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Um, We're actually going to have to break this conversation up over two weeks. Uh, So tune in next week where we'll talk about uh, assumptions and some misconceptions that a lot of modern readers uh, come to the Bible with. Um, So we'll love to continue the conversation with you then. Yeah, and if you'd like to support us financially, you can do so at Patreon. Uh, It's just www.patreon.com slash questions from the pew. Uh, And if you can't support us financially, please give us a good rating or review on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening on, and that will help others find our podcast. Also, please comment and ask questions. Leave us a short voice message or text message at 312-725-2995. This has been Questions from the Pew, a podcast in the World Outspoken Network. To learn more about World Outspoken and its mission to prepare the Mestizo Church for Cultural Change, visit www.worldoutspoken.com. For questions from the pew, I'm Reichert Zalameda. 
I'm Lucas Manning. We'll see you next time.